The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Doomerzan782, and Jude Hanlon. The GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, I'd have to imagine that if Orlando Bloom plans on having uh, more children, he's got to have the name Pikmin as a as a first choice for a first name for the name Pikmin Bloom. A Pikmin's a beautiful name for a boy or a girl. It's almost mm-hmm. like seven or soda. But uh, oh, we're live, Neil. Oh, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. We had an exciting evening yesterday. We uh, we got to go to a concert together last night, the Flatliners. We finally got to see uh, them play live in Toronto. That was a fun time. Uh, they put on a really good show. Uh, you were in the mosh pit for quite a bit. How are you feeling today? Well, I'm feeling great. Feeling good, actually. Uh, not mm. as, uh, don't feel as drained as when I saw another punk band called Turnstile in Boston. Mm. That was a, that was a draining show and that was a pretty <laughs> violent pit. But yeah, you know, Neil and I were, uh, we're getting up there, but we still like to go in, in, in the pit sometimes, push some people around, uh, mm. you know, as you do, uh, and touch some very sweaty men. I hate yeah. when people take their shirts off in the pit. It's just a, it's just not a good scene. Yeah, that, that's too much. I've never been a fan of that. It's usually the older guys that do it for some reason. For some reason in the pit last night, I'm assuming because there was a lot of big boys, like you said, and a lot of drinking. Clearly, a lot of beers were had at the show last night. Uh, a lot of falling over. It was a bit more than normal. Yeah. Like, just big. Like, I'm, I'm a tall guy, but I'm not all that heavy. So, like, if someone weighing above 200 pounds falls into me, I'm going over too. And I don't remember that the last time I was... I was in the pit, but you're you're totally right. We, I, I'm definitely getting older. I feel like I, I'm good being outside of the pit more often now than in. You get to enjoy the show a little bit more. The bassist was putting on a great performance. I was, uh, <laughs> I was really enjoying that. I did want to ask you though, Mike, what has been your favorite concert of the year? It might be the Turnstile concert, um, mm. in that I saw in Boston, just because that was a really. It's always a cool experience when you see a concert in a in a like a city that you're not from. Yeah, I think that it always mm. just makes it better no matter what. I've never been to a bad out of town show. Uh, cool. Knock on wood. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the experience of going somewhere else and seeing something is obviously makes it a lot better. So that's probably my number one. Uh, obviously, I had a lot of good shows. I think I went to 12 or 13 uh, concerts this year. Uh, hit my 99th show last night, wow. actually. So uh, mm. hopefully get 100 just before the year ends. We'll see. You think you're going to get to another show in the next two weeks? Might have a New Year's Eve show. So we'll uh, I'll Ooh. keep you posted, Neil. Okay, that's exciting. I really enjoyed the Honest Heart Collective concert this year. Obviously, mm. I talked a ton about that back in August. Still talk about it on a fairly regular basis. I, I really enjoyed that show. And and just the first concert of the year with you actually in London, Ontario, going to see The Wonder Years play their first two albums from front to back. That was an amazing experience, especially after two years of no shows. That was like the perfect concert to uh to break the, uh, the fast, if you will. So it's been a great year for shows. I'm excited for 2023. I hit my 60th concert last night. That was my, I'm way behind you. 
Um, <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to do a little bit of catching up, but uh, yeah, can't wait to can't wait to hear what concert number one hundred will be for you. But uh, we'll have to touch base on that later. Something that happened recently, though, Mike, in the last few weeks. This will be old news by the time this episode goes live. But that's the whole point of this whole podcast. <laughs> uh, was the the Game Awards that uh, that came out a couple of days ago? Um, a couple standouts for me from the Game Awards. I'm gonna run through it really quick. Mm-hmm. It was a very long production about three, three and a half hours. And honestly, I don't care too much about the Game Awards. No. It was mainly for the announcements that uh, that came out of it. But uh, Elden Ring winning Game of the Year. I'm sure you and a lot of our friends were very, very hyped about that. Uh, we got to see Animal come out on stage. The Muppet Animal did come out for <laughs> yeah. no reason, really. I'm not quite sure what all that was about. Um, yeah, where's my Muppet game? I know. Muppet Party Cruise. That yeah. was like the last <laughs> Muppet game. Yeah. <laughs> the GameCube game. And of course, the uh, the standout moment of the night was uh, when that kid snuck out on stage during the Elden Ring, uh, the winning of the Elden Ring Award and said, I want to nominate this award to my Reformed Orthodox Rabbi, Bill Clinton. That was, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but uh, that was an amazing moment. Uh, glad that, that happened. And all the memes that have come out of it have been terrific. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we're really here for now for any kind of award ceremony. We're just looking for the memes. At this point, yeah, that's all I really need. And, like, I don't need all of these. Like, all the awards, I really don't know what any of them mean anymore. Like, esports and and streamer and content creators. Like, I'm not really into that stuff. I appreciate the game of the year and maybe some direction and artistic design awards. Like, Family Game is kind of cool. That went to Kirby, actually. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which was kind of cool. And I do enjoy to see some of the the announcements that come out of it. Like, uh, the Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League looks really cool. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is a terrible name for a video game, uh, looks looks pretty good. Also, that new game judas which is made by the guy who made uh bioshock that game's going to be amazing um so yeah a lot of uh, really cool things uh we could talk really quick though about our favorite games of the year i suppose my 2022 games of the year that i played i started off the year real strong with the messenger which is an amazing 8-bit indie game played that on switch a whole bunch loved it it's really long like a metroidvania kind of combat game 2d metroid dread similar kind of game metroidvania less 2d but still a really good game on switch those games came out in 2018 2019 uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed, though, had to have been my favorite game of the year by far. Uh, that game came out late last year on PS4, Switch, Xbox One. I platinumed it in the summertime when I had COVID. Absolutely adored that game. Love it. Uh, highly recommend everyone out there pick it up. And uh, the, the the old game, I suppose, the game, my favorite GameCube game of the mm. year that I played has to go out to Mario Baseball. Oh, yeah. uh, that that was a ton of fun. I really did not expect to enjoy that game as much as I did. Like when we went back and played it for the episode and learning all about it, played it with you a whole bunch, Mike, at the cottage. Like every morning, I think we played a few rounds mm-hmm. of Mario Baseball. So that was my GameCube game of the year, I think, that I uh, I have to give a shout out to. So those are the three that come to mind for me is Messenger, Metroid Dread, Hot Wheels Unleashed, and Mario Baseball. But what about you, Mike? What was your your game of the year? Uh, Mario Baseball was definitely my favorite GameCube game this year, or, de- mm. or one of them. I play I played a lot of... Uh, I think, like, GameCube games that exceeded expectations, I would say. It was cool playing Twilight Princess again. I think that was one of my most fun moments of the year for gaming. Looking at the games I've played, I haven't played a lot because most <laughs> I've mostly just played old games uh, this year. Obviously played a lot of GameCube games for the podcast, uh, and I didn't pick up that many new games. And I often just kind of played... Uh, the same game, like I played a lot of Rocket League because I, you know, I like playing like five, ten minutes of a game sometimes and just sitting down, doing something, you know, having a little break and then going back to something else, right? So I uh, did a lot of uh, Rocket League, the, played a little bit of MLB The Show as well. Um, and actually recently I've been playing a lot of Hitman 2 because that's another one where you can kind of just sit down, do a mission, you know, 
kill some people in fun ways, and then you know that's it. Miles <laughs> yep. Morales, of course, is um, that came out in 2020. So a lot of these older games that that uh, I hadn't played before. I think my favorite game of the year is probably Elden Ring in terms of a 2022 game. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, I'm a big Dark Souls and Bloodborne fan, so it was fun to kind of go into the new entry of that, especially after Sekiro, which I liked, but just I never want to touch that game again <laughs> because it just <laughs> it was a good game, but it just was so hard for me. Right. Uh, and uh, I'm I was glad to play Elden Ring, which is definitely the most accessible of the souls and and the from software games really um and uh having a map and that was a, a big deal but uh yeah it, it was a lot of fun i still haven't technically beat it i'm on the final boss and i just like kind of it's not it's 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 not that it's that hard i just kind of gave up and like was playing something else maybe Arceus or something when it came out or some other game and i haven't <laughs> come back to it since so eventually i will finish elden ring but that's my 2022 game of the year i would say and maybe lego star wars skywalker saga is a, is a close second nice yeah i'm trying to think now i don't think i played i think the only 2022 game that i played this year was was mario strikers uh the soccer game that came out in what july I'm trying to think. I think that was the only new game that I played this year. I mean, our brand is very much to play old stuff, so I don't yes. really feel bad that my that my games of the year are games from two, three, or 20 years ago, yeah. so I'm going to keep doing that. I don't... I mean, I, I can see the point where they have to have games of the year, obviously. That's the whole point of these awards, but I kind of like how when I talk to people, it's like, what was the favorite thing that you did this year, or favorite movie that you saw, favorite game? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be of that year, but uh, it's cool to, like, discover something from a long time ago, and maybe it's your favorite thing even this year. That's a, it's a cool thing, and we're going to mm-hmm. keep that's how I'm gonna keep playing video games because games are expensive and they're not always they're not always uh, functional on launch. So I kind of like picking them up a year or two later. They're honestly better if you pick them up a year or two later. They've all been patched. Yeah. The DLC is out. It's complete. It's cheaper. So really, I I always wait. And we're not a news show. We have the ability to uh, to wait on on games to uh, to get older before we play them. Exactly. Yeah. And and uh, like to your point, like Hitman Two bought that for twenty bucks on Black Friday. Mm-hmm uh complete you know it's a deluxe edition it's got all the dlc it's got everything you need it's been out for like three four years so it's 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 yeah. it's literally the complete game that i bought right. and uh for 20 bucks it's great it's perfect yeah that's the that's the ideal way to play video games like i said yeah. we're not a new show we don't no one's expecting us to cover games for uh for new content yet anyway so that's the way we're going to keep doing things but Moving on to our Patreon topic of the day. Now, I do have a message about Patreon because obviously our podcast is ending at the end of the month. Our Patreon page will go on hold at the end of December, so anyone currently supporting the page, you will not be charged on January 1st. We're going to pick the Patreon back up again when we start our next project in 2023. We just don't want everybody to get billed uh, when we're not creating content because that doesn't seem fair. So if you'd like to come back and support us when we're back in March, that's terrific. If not, totally awesome too. Uh, We've appreciated everyone's support over the Mm -hmm. past two years and change, and uh, we look forward to coming back next year but yeah so that will go on hold at the beginning of next month but today's patreon topic comes in from i rebel mike i rebel wants to say hi guys sorry for the late message regarding my submission for an opening topic for the month of december i have to ask what are your top 10 favorite disney animated canon films and why not a combined top 10 but separate uh and i rebel gave us a list of uh, films to pick from there are quite a few there and she says thanks again guys i can't wait to hear your picks I do have uh, 10 movies here, Mike, and this is actually a really perfectly timed topic because I'm going to Disney World next year in early January when we're not going to be recording. So first time ever, I'm flying down to Florida. I'm going to be going to Disney World, experiencing all that, going to get to meet Mickey and Goofy and uh, finally going to meet Mickey. Can't wait. I hope Walt (laughs) Disney is there, too. Is there a mascot of Disney walking around? That'd be weird. I think there's a cryogenic chamber. You can try and find him there. 
<laughs> cool, he'll be frozen in carbonite like uh, Han Solo, basically. <laughs> I guess we can start maybe just going, uh, do, do you want to ping pong back and forth? Or I read my 10, you read your 10. What's the uh, the best uh, best way to organize this? I'll, uh, I'll read my 10 first. Well, you know, okay. we'll go quickly. There will okay. be probably a couple of the same, but I tried to make it uh, a little different than yours. And uh, and also, I've, there's so many Disney movies that you can oh choose from. Oh, my God. From. Yeah. For me, I... I kind of think of this more as traditional animated Disney, so that's okay. how I took it. Uh, and to be honest, when I was trying to like look at my the list, Tangle is probably the only one that I would actually have in the top ten, and maybe Wreck It Ralph as my favorite uh, Disney movie. So, uh, other than those ones, let's put those at like eleven and twelve. But these ten are just going to be traditionally animated Disney movies. You're you're a purist with the Disney, so nothing with computer gen. Even though they were using computer well, computer yes. animation, like after Aladdin, I think it was like everything from Aladdin forward was using computer generated <laughs> graphics. But that's fine. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Traditional two D animated films. Exactly. And so we're going to start with Aladdin at number ten. Ooh, we're going to say okay. Beauty of the Beast for number nine. And I will say, as before I continue, this, I'd say, like, 10 to 3 will change on any given day. It's yeah, basically, like, it'll always change. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you'll have the same thing. Uh, number 8, uh, Aristocats. I actually really like that movie. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. It's, uh, people don't talk about it, but 80s Disney's kind of fun. Um, 101 Dalmatians. That's one of the first movies I think I ever saw. And I remember loving that. And I loved Cruella. And I still do. Um, number six, Dumbo. That's my mom's favorite uh, Disney movie, and so she showed it to me when I was a kid, and I probably haven't seen it in 20 years, but in my mind, I love Dumbo, and it's one of my favorite stories. It's cool to go back and look at Dumbo just because it's like, I think the runtime of that film is like an hour and six minutes. Oh, it's, it's very short. It's I love that snappy man. Get to the point. Get that elephant in and out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's also one of the reasons I love it. Uh, I think because Bambi's like an hour as well. Yep. Those, you know, those early movies, uh, an hour of animation was pretty insane back then. It took like six years to make that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number five is Mulan. I love Mulan. It's a great movie. Um, I uh, And, you know, good songs in it too. Uh, you could put Hercules in there too. Uh, also a great movie but i chose mulan for this one um number four fantasia this is probably gonna not gonna be on a lot of people's lists because honestly some of the fantasia sequences are not very good <laughs> but the ones that are really good are so cool and for me i really like uh, the movie history and kind of how things come about and fantasia is still i believe the longest running animated movie of all time um coming in at like two and a half hours so uh, I and I love the sound, soundtrack to Fantasia. Uh, it's definitely one of the best and one of the most iconic. Um, number three, Jungle Book. That's another nice. movie that I grew up with, and I uh, had the white VHS, you know, box DVD oh, yeah. of Jungle Book and many of these others. And I probably watched Jungle Book more than any of the others just because of the songs. I really, really like the music and uh, classic, the bare necessities. But uh, mm -hmm. number one and two here is well, number two is Little Mermaid, the Disney Renaissance classic. You know, it started it all um, in 1989. I, I, just a great story. Uh, yep. And also great songs and mm -hmm. uh, Lion King number one hard to hard to beat Lion King. It's just the Very nice. the I feel especially for our generation Lion King was kind of the movie, and uh, yeah, that's my top ten. I like your list. I I realized in this moment that I'm like like you said my top ten list would also change on like I even looked at mine before we started <laughs> recording and I didn't agree with it. Uh, I think I had to change it around a little bit. And even after hearing your list, I'm like, oh crap, I forgot Little Mermaid and Jungle Book. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but I I happen to keep uh, I did include uh, the 3D animated ones because yeah. there are a few from the 2010s that I actually do really like. It was really interesting that Irabel sent us the uh, the list of the official Disney films. Like it doesn't count Marvel and Star Wars and all that stuff. Uh, the 40s Disney movies, I've never heard of any of them. 
yeah, yeah it there's was a really lot. fun. <laughs> there's a lot that are like just like what? Yeah. Um, there's there, and even a couple in like the 2000s too. Um, Home on the Range. I had never heard of that one until I saw that list. So I, I, that's funny that you haven't heard of it. I remember watching that, like I talked about two weeks ago, in <laughs> at recess in the okay. rain. Uh, I remember that. I remember it's being shown in class, and I remember thinking, like, is this like a budget title? Like, like did Disney right. not have enough money to make this or something? It felt like a ripoff of something else. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mid two thousands Disney, like when they were just getting started on those three D animated, like we talked about a few weeks ago with uh, Chicken Little, like it felt like just budget Disney stuff. And Home on the Range felt feels like that too. I really have no memory of it. I remember Barnyard, which we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit. I remember that one for sure. So mm-hmm. this was like Disney's answer to the other animal movies. But my top ten in uh, ascending order, I suppose. I had the same number ten as you with Aladdin. I love Aladdin. Uh, I would have it higher, but there's just other Disney films that I I like slightly more. Robin Williams, absolutely fantastic fantastic role as the genie i oh, i love course. just watching those scenes now as an adult they hold up so well it's amazing some of the things that they let him say i know that's what i think too all <laughs> the time film. <laughs> and i always i always hear that like they they have enough outtakes from him in the booth to make a second one but they can't so it's like oh god i would pay so much money to hear what the some of the things that he said but number nine a movie that i don't think that a lot of people think about is emperor's new groove okay yeah i love that movie i love emperor's new groove it's so good it's such a fun movie it was like one of those early 2000s late 90s disney films that kind of came and went uh not a lot of people remembered it but it's really funny it's heavily memed uh today it's it's got a lot of memes out there based on cusco and uh and cronk and yzma it's so many cool characters so emperor's new groove really clever movie i like it number eight for me a lot lower than your list but a lion king Mm-hmm. I would have it higher, but again, just more movies here that I like. It just kept getting knocked lower and lower. Uh, I love uh, love Zazu. Rowan Atkinson is Zazu. Really funny. Um, yeah, just really f- good songs. I remember listening to the tape when I was a kid oh, in yeah, our car on 8-track tape. Yeah, the, the music in this, this movie is <laughs> so iconic, so good. I've never seen Lion King the musical. I feel like everyone oh. has seen that but me. Yeah, it's actually really good. <laughs> I, yep, I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm waiting for. It's always in, it's, It seems to always be playing in Toronto. Yeah. never seen it. <laughs> Uh, number seven for me, I don't know if this was on your list, but Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, this was my uh, number nine on, nine on my list. Okay, yeah, a little higher up for me. It's a classic. Obviously, everybody knows it. It's uh, it's my mom's favorite Disney movie. It's my fiance's favorite Disney mo- animated Disney movie. Beauty so and the Beast. Such nice music, man. Such a nice story. They're funny. I love Lumiere and Cogsworth. They're they're fantastic duo. Uh, number six for me, you had it tied with Mulan, but Hercules is one of my favorite Disney films. I love that story. I love the animation. Uh, Danny DeVito is in there as the um, the trainer. I'm, I can't remember his name now. I'm, I'm blanking. Yeah. Uh, the goat guy. Uh, it'll come to me later. Number five, the first uh, 3D animated film of the day here is Wreck-It Ralph. Um, I went into Wreck-It Ralph with very low expectations back in 2014 when I saw it at my friend Matt's house and loved it. Like every moment of it from start to finish. I thought it was so clever. It's I thought really it was good. Pixar. It's so good. It's one of the best video game movies ever, honestly. And the sequel is really good, too. But I just had to give a shout out to uh, to the first one. Which brings me to my number four favorite Disney film, which is another 3D animated movie, is Tangled. Like you so said, good. Mike. So good. Underrated as hell. Because it just got overshadowed by Frozen, which is And also bad. the most expensive animated movie ever made. And like yep. by a long shot. Like it was yep. like $250 million. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Quite a bit. As <laughs> Yeah, as we learned last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about animated films, most of them range between the 50 to $100 million. This one, they spent so much of their budget on creating the computers and the effects to make these characters look so lifelike. Yeah. To animate the eyes and the hair. And then they used those assets to make uh, Frozen. So Frozen's kind of just like a re uh, refined version of Tangled. But yep. Tangled is, is so damn good. Very underrated. 
unfortunately. Number three for me, I talked about this soundtrack pretty much every episode since we've been recording, but Tarzan. Uh, love Phil love Tarzan. Phil Collins. That sound. I think I could just watch the movie with no, Be just the soundtrack. In my, in my heart. Such a good soundtrack. And the, the story itself is pretty good. I have a very soft spot, very big soft spot for Tarzan. Mm. Just... Back in the day, just remember seeing the trailers for it, the toys, the watching the movie, getting it on VHS, those poofy VHS tapes. I love Tarzan so much. Still listen to that soundtrack to this day on a fairly regular basis. And actually, Mike, uh, a little fun fact for you. Uh, there will be a Tarzan Easter egg at my wedding. I'm sure that you'll find it, but uh, you will see. It's planned. It's there. It's in there. It's amazing. Number two, another 3D animated film is Big Hero 6. I Have you seen Big Hero 6? I don't know if we we've talked about this. Saw it. No, I didn't see it with you. I saw it with... Nope. Um, Friends of the show, Jake, Brian, and mm. uh, Harrison uh, back in the day. I enjoy it. I just don't remember it. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cute, man. It's just yeah. like this like white robot, poofy, marshmallow balloon guy, and he's so cute. And very sad story. Really cool superhero story. Honestly, it's like my favorite Marvel film. Uh, it's it, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, got the fair. same thing as like the Iron Giant sort of thing. Like yeah. It's like the best Superman movie. This is kind of like another really good Iron Man movie, I guess, or something. I don't know. Uh, but very good film. Another one that a lot of people don't talk about because it was just one of those animated films that came out just before Frozen, which uh, took a lot of the, the air out of the room, unfortunately. And that brings me to my number one favorite Disney film of all time, Peter Pan. Oh, my God. I forgot about Peter Pan. I yeah. love that movie. That's, yeah. uh, you know what? That should be on mine. <laughs> I used to watch that all the time. I thought it was like the funniest thing when I was a kid. Yep. I don't, I couldn't tell you anything that happens in that movie, but, because that's <laughs> the one where they're all animals, right? Uh, yeah, well, the Lost Boys are kind of dressed up as, they have like spirit animals or something. Yeah, They yeah. dress like in onesies or and they have like raccoon tails or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's it. like, like, like how they animate it and everything. Yeah, because I, I always like, because yep. there's so many versions of Peter Pan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I completely forgot about that. Damn it. Yeah, that's okay. It's a, it's a, it's, it's fine. It's a really, yeah. it's just a classic film from start to finish. I remember watching it a lot as a kid. Again, this list would change on a weekly basis if I were to make it again, but I just saw this list and Peter Pan was there and I was like, yeah, that's a really good story. It's, it's got decent songs. It's a, I love the idea of like a kid with a dagger fighting against a pirate army. Uh, Captain Hook, of course, and the crocodile is very funny. And uh, I remember going to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and going to the mini golf course that was based on Peter Pan. That Ooh, one being yeah. the absolute best one with the alligator coming out of the water and everything, the, the pirate ship and the, the skull island and everything. It's just such a cool movie. It's got really cool environments. I'd honestly love like a Peter Pan video game. <laughs> it would be cool. Uh, like you could actually yeah. do a lot with it. There's like a lot of, cause like they fly and everything too, right? Like there's, yeah, you could do some cool stuff. And there's a lot of cool settings that are very well known. We should make it. Uh, just don't put it in Kingdom Hearts. Put it in a real game. Oh, it's already in Kingdom Hearts. You already know. Someone's going to write in and say, there's a really good Peter Pan. Yeah. I know there's a good Peter Pan level in Kingdom Hearts. I'm never playing Kingdom <laughs> Hearts. But that's a really good opening topic. I rebel. I love that. Love Disney. Can't wait to go see Disney World in just a few short weeks. But Mike, I think that we've talked enough about Disney and concerts and game awards. Why don't we jump into today's episode? Sure. Let's do it, Neil. All right, sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 124 of the GameCube School podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 547 games, only eight more games to go. You can visit thegamecubeascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And Walt Disney's Corpse. Oh, good. Walt Disney's yeah, he's he's great at uh, at computer 
at uh, code and whatnot. I don't know what the hell it takes to make a website. <laughs> last week, we talked about Twilight Princess, the last major AAA release for the GameCube. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're talking about the rest of the movie tie-in games on the GameCube from 2006 to 2007. We started this discussion two weeks ago on episode 122, so if you haven't already, go back and check that episode out as well. We're going to jump back into the movie tie-in topic again today, Mike, with the video game Ant Bully. Ant Bully was released on July 24th, 2006. There's eight games left to go. It was developed by Artificial Mind and Movement, published by Midway. It's also on PS2, Game Boy Advance, Windows, and Wii. It rates a 5 out of 10, priced today at around $15, and it's an action-adventure movie tie-in. I've honestly never seen the movie Ant Bully. It definitely was a film that quickly came and went out of the theaters. But I specifically remember a poster in our elementary school library, Mike. I don't know if you remember, of the book, The Ant Bully. Um, yeah, I do yeah. actually remember that. Yeah, I remember Ant Bully was a book that mm-hmm. a lot of kind of like preteens and like that, you know, the young adult readers. Uh, like the I Holes kind of books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's literally the only touchstone I have with it uh, <laughs> yeah. other than this week. Like all most of these movies I really don't remember or I don't and, – and the games especially I did not play. So like mm-hmm. I uh, – it's it's – yeah, kind of a little nostalgic because I'm like, oh, yeah, like I remember this being out. Yep. But uh, at this point, you know, these are starting to, to be games for babies, Neil. And we were yeah. 13 at this point. So we were men. We were we were grown ass men in 2006, <laughs> Mike. And everybody already knows that the best three ant movies in order are A Bug's Life, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Ants. Uh, ant Bully being a dif- distant fourth or fifth uh, in there. But uh, yeah, the game is based on the 2006 Warner Brothers film of the same name. It made $55 million on a $50 million budget, Mike. So colossal flop on uh, on Bully, unfortunately. But what a cast that movie had. Julia Roberts, Nicolas Cage, Meryl Streep, Paul Giamatti, and Bruce Campbell. Wow. Holy. That's, I know. But see, like, that's the thing with animated movies, right? Like, it doesn't really matter on who's in them uh, as much as it does. Like, it kind of has to be good because it's just voices, you know? It's at the end of the day. And if you don't have mm-hmm. people who are good voice actors and you would instead choose to just have big stars... Yep. You you lose a lot of the the flair of it, and you lose the story. Yep. Uh, see, Strange World, which is out right now, which is absolutely getting destroyed at the box office because uh, mm-hmm. no one is seeing that movie. Uh, apparently, that's the same way where there's um, a lot of really big stars, and it's uh, it's not really pushing the the narrative through. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Aunt Bully, uh the game looks okay. Mm-hmm. I mean. It doesn't... A lot of a lot of the games we're going to be talking <laughs> yeah. about today, Mike, look okay. That's, and, and I mean, this is like same old song and dance for basically all these yeah. movie tie-ins. Bas- also, you know, just to put this in perspective, this is now our fifth episode where we talk about movie tie-ins. <laughs> we're getting tired, and 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 that's not including all the other games that we've talked about that are movie tie-ins that we put into other episodes. You know, there's about, if I remember correctly, about 70, 60 or seventy movie or TV show tie-ins. Mm-hmm. On the GameCube, so that's just a, a colossal number. Yeah, but uh, this this game also seems like it was actually made for the Wii, really more than anything, and just mm-hmm. was kind of on GameCube because they were like, well, I guess the GameCube exists. Well, let's put it out for the GameCube. It came out, I think, just a couple short months before mm-hmm. uh, the Wii was out. So it, uh, but it does feel wrong on the GameCube, at least in my mind. 
yeah, the combat in the game is very basic. You can understand it's it's just for the motion controls. So it's kids to it's a kids game that can easily be waggled with the Wii mote and the the nunchuck, and it translates mm. easily to GameCube, especially with the graphics. It seems like that this game and movie actually have a pretty dedicated fan base. Like if you look at the YouTube comments of Let's Plays of this game, it seemed like a lot of people would just it was very positive actually. Uh, of people saying like oh this movie was like one of my favorite childhood films or this game this game you know was was my you know third grade moot game or whatever that i played on non-stop uh i I think that the only reason for that is that a movie can be so small that it's just it it's just immune from toxic posts because no one cares enough to post negatively about (laughs) ampoli that it just seems overly positive (laughs) people everyone everyone that hated it forgot about it so luckily there's this little dedicated fan base of ampoli fans unfortunately but the game's music is actually really good. Um, listening to it, like it sounded fine, like it sounds like a decent soundtrack, kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago with one of the one of the games. I think it was, uh, oh, was it Chicken Little? One of them sounded really good. I forget, but it was on the same uh, same vein as that. And the voice acting is actually okay too. They got Bruce Campbell to come back and uh, reprise his role from the film. I don't think they got anybody else to uh, to sure, return. Yeah. <laughs> but right away, when you hear Bruce Campbell talk, you instantly think you're playing a Spider-Man game because he and he uh, he voiced the first two Spider-Man games on GameCube, the oh, the movie tie-ins. Right. He's the he's the narrator voice. That's Bruce yeah, Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if Sam Raimi had anything to do with Ampoli, but any, anytime <laughs> I hear Bruce Campbell's voice, I'm like, well, Sam Raimi must be nearby. Um, but yeah, graphically, this game is nothing too impressive. None of this game is too impressive. The combat is fine. The platforming is fine. The boss fights are not all that great. They're actually quite disappointing, actually. There's only, I think, four of them in the entire game. The first two, you just fight giant bugs, which is kind of dumb. Um, as an ant, it'd be really cool to have fought, fought things like birds snakes kids with magnifying glasses traffic or whatever like things that really kill bugs not just bigger bugs um i forget the ones that you fight now you fight a frog though which is kind of cool as a boss fight and then the exterminator is the final boss fight which i liked i just wish that there were more like animals that you kind of fight against and figure out how to kill i think that that would have been would have been kind of fun um but yeah like i mean i like the idea of playing a game as a tiny character like exploring a house as a tiny thing like chibi robo like Chibi Robo, exactly. But in this case, you're playing as an ant. It's kind of cool. Like I love games that play with scale. Like I think of yeah. like Alice Madness Returns kind of does stuff like that too, where you're you're yes. tiny in a in a nightmarish world. I think that that's a really fun thing to do. Little Nightmares, another game that does that super well. Um, the Army Man games are really fun like that too. So anything like that is kind of neat. So I, I give I give props to that, um, which is cool. But other than that, there's not really much good things I can I can say about Ant Bully. No, it's, uh, I mean, it's funny because it, it actually plays a little bit like games like Over the Hedge that we talked about a couple yep. weeks ago. And we uh, also talked about kind of, well, at least for me, it really reminds me of Tact and Power of Juju mm. in terms of the, this like the scene and like the scenery in terms of how everything looks in terms of a little bit of the platforming elements in it. Um, and uh, and I feel like Tact just did it so much better yeah. and so much cleaner. Also, like the graphics in here are not great. Like for- They're blurry. A, yeah, for like a two thousand a late like two thousand six game, that we've seen some really amazing things that come on the GameCube. Uh, obviously, Twilight Princess being one of them, <laughs> uh, coming out in two thousand six, and this just feels like I don't know. It just feels like it maybe a two thousand two or two thousand three game. At like this a point. launch game. Yeah. yeah. Definitely has launch game vibes. I do have one super nitpicky thing that I don't know if we've ever talked about, but I wanted to ask you. Mm. How do you feel about compasses in video games that spin as you move? Oh, yes. So I like it when I have the option to control that. 
right? Okay. Where if it's like, do I want to be sent like like always looking north or always looking a certain way, or do I want it to spin? Um, and a couple of games I played have that option uh, to turn on or off. But like this one, the fact that you are spinning all the time, and the worst part about it is the fact that it never goes away at right. any point. It's always on screen, and just the, by the nature of the game, you are constantly kind of spinning around. Mm-hmm. Like makes you nauseous almost. You're like, stop, stop. Like I don't yeah. need this to be constantly going. Um, I mean, with that said, like the hide for this game isn't too bad. Uh, it definitely mm-hmm. could have been a lot worse. But yeah, I. Uh, in answer to your actual question, no, I do not like when it's constantly spinning. Yeah, I. I the HUD for this game that was the only thing I could look at and be like, okay, what else can I talk about with this game? Honestly, <laughs> and, and that's the HUD really. And like, yeah, the the spinning compass. I'm not a huge fan of it. And in a 3D platform, I don't even I don't even think you really need a compass, which was another yes, thing. Yes, exactly. I do like it when you're the one moving in the compass and not the thing is spinning around. I, I just think it's it makes it feel like okay, is this an open world game? It's not. It's not anywhere close to that. You definitely need them in big games like Spider-Man or Grand Theft Auto or The Witcher or whatever it is that you're playing. But for for a game like Ant Bully, I don't think you would have needed it. A cleaner HUD might have been a little bit better. But that's all I have to say about Ant Bully, Mike. Should we hit the back of the case and move on to the next game of the day? Let's do it, Neil. All right, sounds good. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Go pick on someone your own size. Based on the exciting journey of the digitally animated family adventure The Ant Bully, experience the perils of an ant's world as you evolve from recluse to hero in a quest to save the colony from extermination. Yeah, like the the Ant Bully story is actually kind of good. Because, um, yeah, it's all about like this like kind of loser loner kid who like... Lucas. Yeah, like, uh, plays with ants and like plays with bugs. And in, this, in the book... If I remember correctly, he's got like um, uh, he's got one of those hats that has a little propeller on it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And, and they and like they he's they kind of they kind of uh, make him like too normal in the movie uh, mm. and and again the game I guess by extension. So uh, you know it's always too bad when things like that kind of get bastardized in in media. What the hell happened to those propeller hats? Yeah, I'm going to bring them back. Yeah, we'll try that. That'll be a 2023 goal. <laughs> Moving on to the next game of the day, which is Barnyard, released on August 1st, 2006. Only seven games to go. Developed by Blue Tongue Entertainment. They also made the Polar Express and Nicktoons Unite, you may remember. Published by THQ. Also on PS2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, DS, Windows, 360, Wii, and PSP. This game was on everything. Rates a 6.5 out of 10. Price today, between $30 and $40. This is a party adventure game. Also a movie tie-in game, obviously based on the 2000. 2006 Nickelodeon movie of the same name. That movie has 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mike, did you ever see Barnyard? I did. I did. I remember Barnyard. Uh, and I remember when we actually did the Nickelodeon episode, we got a message saying that we should have put Barnyard in the Nickelodeon episode. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't even realize that there was a Barnyard show, uh, as well as the fact that Barnyard was a Nickelodeon property. So I was like, oh, true. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about it today but uh yeah i i i kind of remember it again you know just one of those uh other movies that got put on that i'm sure some people have a huge affinity with and is probably one of their favorite childhood movies but for me it, i just remember it um kind of as a a so-so film yeah. that i completely forgot about the next day 
Yeah, I forgot when Nickelodeon made movies, honestly. Other yeah, than, that too. <laughs> other than the SpongeBob movies, I really forgot that they tried their hand in movies. I guess it makes sense that they did. But another really good cast, like animated films of this era were, were really pumping out movies with really good cast members. Like we had Kevin James, Courtney Cox, Sam Elliott, Danny Glover, and Wanda Sykes. Now, Sam Elliott was obligated, must have been obligated to be in every single movie that required a Southern accent from 2004 <laughs> to 2008. If you think yeah. you don't know who Sam Elliott is, you're wrong. You know exactly who he is. Yep. He does the, is it the, the Dodge Ram commercials now? Um, yeah, he's, well, he's done those for many years. Yeah. yeah. yeah Dodge Ram. He's uh, in Ghost Rider, who could forget? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, I love uh, Ghost Rider. uh, my favorite role of him is when he plays other Ron in, uh, Parks and Rec. Yes. That's, <laughs> he's like the hippie Ron. Yeah. 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 That's really good. I love Sam Elliott's a really good guy. I think, I think he's actually a pretty nice dude, but, uh, the plot of the movie is actually a really decent idea. I mean, it's Toy Story with farm animals. The animals fake stupidity during the day so they can party at night. So, yeah, it's basically a farm animal version of uh, of Toy Story. It's also Animal Farm, but without the totalitarianism of the book. Yeah. Also, the pig's name in this movie is just called Pig. That was... <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're 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 trying their best. They are. But this is actually probably of the games that we're talking about today, potentially one of the best games we're talking about, actually. Yeah. Or, or at least the game that is better than the movie. Uh it's actually yes. a it's a launch game for the Wii, so you had to pick between this game and Twilight Princess, I suppose. Um but it's also one of the longer move uh, games that we've talked about too. This takes over nine hours to uh to beat, and it's kind of got a little bit of an open world aesthetic to it actually at least an open mm -hmm. sandbox i will say you have just the barnyard the farm land to uh to explore throughout the day and then you go around you complete missions you collect coins to kind of unlock parties things to do at night when the farmers go to sleep which i think is a really cool idea for for a video game it's it's really innovative and uh this is something that over the hedge did so well too the mini games it's got some great great mini games they're really good this. Uh, the the Waka, I guess the Waka Raccoon, it's the yes. Waka Mole, is really fun. And we should also talk about the fact that uh, you're a cow. Uh, mm. I don't know if we mentioned that, but uh, you are a cow who stands on his two legs yep. and runs around, mm. an anthropomorphic cow. Uh, and I really love that you can actually uh, choose what kind of cow you want to be at the beginning. You can customize your character. Yeah, there's yeah. character customization there. <laughs> like there's there's uh choose American Angus. Uh, there's a couple other like different <laughs> kind of cows that you can be. R pretty cool. Um, and I really love like kind of the overworld uh, where you're in this like the barn, which is almost like a casino. Yep. Yeah. It's like a club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's really cool. Again, I, I'm going to reference this a thousand times because it's like the only good movie time we recently talked about. But Over the Hedge did it with the, the woods where they have a lot of cool things going on uh, and you can kind of swap characters and everything. And this, I felt, was very similar where you can kind of play these mini games in it, but in, in a much easier way. I really enjoyed that you could just walk over to them and start playing them. Uh, that's what I like loved about the, the game for sure. Uh, and also just the fact that like, you're just the 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 opportunities to explore and even like your you you had a little cell phone too like yes. your back like it almost honestly like it's close to being like an rpg in like some aspects like it's it's closer <laughs> to being an rpg than twilight princess yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i set you up for that yeah <laughs> yeah funny call back to last week's episode but no like it's got really cool elements to it like i love yeah. the fact that like there are different farm animal like npcs that'll like give you quests to do basically yes. <laughs> things to do throughout the day and they do text you quite often throughout the day they're like hey what's like it's basically it really is like if you gave your dog a phone 
how often <laughs> you would get a text from your just asking you what's up when are you coming home yeah uh, kind of thing it's really funny the only unfortunate thing really is that i feel like that this game was subject to the unfortunate reality that it was a movie tie-in and it did not have enough time to just polish it up like another 10 percent like there's Obviously, the graphics are are meh, but like there's during the cutscenes or like the interactions with the NPCs, sometimes it's voice acted, sometimes it's just text, sometimes it's a mix of the two. So it's like they clearly did not have enough time to get all the VO in, yes, yeah. which was just too bad. It's like, oh man, I kind of wish I could hear these animals talk more because like like we talked about in Over the Hedge, some of those interactions were like the funniest things about yeah. that game. I think that they could have done a really cool thing with the characters in this game too. And they were trying to make it like really goofy and and silly and whatnot, like the cows shooting milk out of their udders, which was just somewhat disturbing. Uh, don't need to see that on a on a <laughs> yeah. in a video game ever again, unfortunately. But yeah, you you said it right though. Like the mini games in the in this video game are, are really good. Um, the, you you said the the whack a mole one. There's also a pretty good cooking sim with pig. Yep. The classic Nickelodeon character Pig. Who could forget? <laughs> Who could forget? This game also has a really good or decent golf sim hidden in here yes. too. The, yes, the characters play golf, and it's it's close to Mario Golf. It's yeah, it's it's basically that kind of arcade golf style. It's really well done. It, like there's just so many kind of instances here that I was like, wow, like the developers actually went above and beyond. They could have mm-hmm. just made a a simple platformer, you know, that that yeah, oh, that yeah. was just like any other game, but they actually put all these different kind of style games within the um uh, within the game itself that that made it really unique and actually made you want to keep playing it like that's one of the big things about games from this era for me when I go back and and play them you know after an hour I finally start to get bored because it's very repetitive often mm-hmm. right like there there really wasn't a lot that the devs could do for especially for these mo- uh, movie tying games but uh, the fact that they tried a lot of stuff even if the stuff wasn't great mm-hmm. like the uh, biking parts I don't know if you you experienced those Neil but a little um, bit Oh, the the biking was really hard to control. If you use the Wiimote, you kind of had to like, you know, go back and forth with it, oh, like God. biking on the uh, Wii Sports, I think it was. So yeah. uh, there's there's definitely some aspects where it's not great. The platforming itself also is honestly not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of hard to see where the cow jumps properly. Like it's like you'll see a ledge and you really don't know how far your character can jump. Yeah. Uh, you have no kind of, um, uh, I guess, depth perception just based on the way that the game is uh, laid out and the fact that a cow <laughs> probably can't really <laughs> jump. Um, so that was kind of a big issue for me is the fact that this game is like closer to like a Toad's treasure tracker in terms of how the movement mm. goes for the character. But you can't really get to places even though it's a large world and very oh, honestly open uh, mm. for you to explore. Yeah, it is. It is like a really well put together world and also like not a lot of load screens, which I appreciate. The frame rate does dip quite a bit. Again, like I think it's just that extra 10, 15 percent that the developers probably could have used. But it's a barnyard game, really. Like it's a 90 minute film with three seasons of a TV show. They did a pretty decent job. And actually, like I think we've already said, like this is one of the better games of the day. It's not on the level of being like a Spider-Man 2 or a GoldenEye movie tie in, but it's pretty close for a movie that has, for all intents and purposes, been long since forgotten. Um, yeah, I just wish that the the voice acting was a uh, was a little bit more there. Um, I also love the day night cycle too in the in the yes. game. Like, oh my it, god, yeah, there's a day night cycle. It's got like a little bit of a Pikmin vibe to it, where it yeah. tells you how much time you have left in the day to complete your tasks before night falls, and then you get to have fun in your in your little casino. Um, it's yeah. it's I love these kind of games that don't force you into a linear style. And like, mm. I think that's like one of the most important things with movie tie-ins. Like as soon as you put me into super linear, like we're just going to follow this one path. I'm out. Yeah. 
yeah, and like you said, this could just have easily have been a throwaway uh, platformer with yeah. three mini games packed in there to make you not sell the game back right away. But instead, they made a pretty decent little open world barnyard game uh, with a bit of platforming, bit of bike racing, bit of golfing. So. There's something for everyone here in Barnyard. <laughs> there really is. But with that, Mike, let's hit the back of the case of Barnyard and we'll move on to the next game of the day. The original Party Animals. Prove you have what it takes to be the biggest party animal of them all. All your favorite Barnyard characters from the movie. Explore all the neighborhoods of Barnyard on your bike. Play 26 action-packed minigames, including Tease the Mailman. That's a funny one. That's a good one. Yeah, the minigames alone are really good. It's a good minigame collection game for sure, but... Moving on to the next game of the day, which unfortunately does not carry on the legacy of a good movie tie-in, is Open Season, released on September 19th, 2006. Only six games left to go. Developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft, also on PS2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, DS, Windows, PC, Xbox 360, Wii, and PSP. Rates a 6 out of 10. Priced today at around $12, and this is an action-adventure, that's bold, and a movie tie-in based on the 2006 Sony Pictures movie of the same name. It actually made $200 million on an $80 million budget. I forgot Open Season was actually a pretty big deal. It kind of was. Also, another... Uh, I always got this mixed up with Over the Hedge because of uh, the bear. Dude, we uh, had Over the Hedge, Open Season, Barnyard, Home on the Range. All of these animal movies came out over the span of like 18 months. Yeah, I know what was going on in 2006. It was a, it was a crazy time for all this of is, us. This but... is where furries started. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> convinced about that. <laughs> uh, but it's this, this game is... Too bad, because Open Season, the movie, I remember actually kind of liking, and I think it is a pretty good movie for the most part, um, and with some great voice acting in there, too. Martin Lawrence, Ashton Kutcher, yep. um, John Favreau's in there, too, and Putty, Patrick yep. Warburton. Who could forget? Yeah. Uh, who could forget? So it's it's a it's a great um, – it's it's actually a pretty good ga- uh, pretty good movie, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. but um, the, the game really just does not do it justice for a number of reasons. Oh. One of my biggest things is the art style. This uh, this movie actually has a really cool art style. Obviously, it is digitally animated, and they kind of all look the same back in this day. But there was something like all the characters had a bit of an edginess to them, like mm-hmm. like literally in their edginess in terms of like how they looked. A little blocky, and, yeah. Yeah, and I kind of like that. It worked for this, and it made it a little bit different, uh, and kind of stood out a little, a little bit more amongst the animation that was going on in the early two thousands, where it really did seem kind of cut and paste for every single one of these digital digitally animated movies. And they did not bring that at all to the uh, graphical capability uh, for open season the game. It, it looks just bad. It does not look good. Like they, I don't know what happened with these models. Uh, it, like the cutscenes uh, are, you know, sometimes you'll have better looking cutscenes or you'll use cutscenes from the movie, but like these cutscenes somehow look worse than the actual gameplay. I know. I don't know what happened there, and like the uh, the voice acting is stiff. The character oh, designs yeah. are awful. The, the art style of this game, there is no art style to this game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the graphics are really bad. Like if we think Ant Bully was like a launch game for the GameCube, this is like a test demo for the GameCube. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't look like a 2007, 2006 game no. from from that generation for sure. Like I I know that like these games had less budget and everything, but this is just bad. And this is a lot like um maybe a game we talked about two weeks ago, like Ice Age or. One of those games where it's like mm-hmm. this movie did not need a mo- uh, a video game, at least not <laughs> no. not like this. That's for sure. Um, it's just a boring game. Like you, you don't really do anything. Like I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like I'm, you know, true, you, you're looking at this game, you're playing this game. Like you're you're crossing a river on a tree, you're going through the woods. Like you're catching up with some animals, you're stealing some food from some campsites. It's like 
what the hell am I doing this for? Like, I don't understand, like, what the point of any of this is. Like, I remember the plot of Open Season. Like, all the animals have been displaced from their safe haven. And they're kicked into the area where the hunters are allowed to hunt, which I think yeah. is a hilarious premise for a film. And the game does eventually get into that. And there obviously, there is some stealth elements of you sneaking up or sneaking around the humans. But it's not good stealth. And this is from Ubisoft, who make Splinter Cell. I know, like, I know. Like <laughs> it seems so silly. I, I just, I couldn't believe in. I, I couldn't huge, believe it. Huge waste of Ubisoft resources for sure. And it, yeah, like you uh, finally, if you get spotted by the hunters, it's really just a timer on how long it takes for you to get spotted before they shoot, and that's pretty much it. It's mm-hmm. a really light stealth game. Honestly, I think what would would have made this game better is if you got to play as the humans. That would have been really interesting. <laughs> or just like, again, like you said, this movie did not need to be made at all. Sure. But this is a perfect example of why Barnyard is actually such a good movie tying game mm-hmm. that it doesn't, you know, really it doesn't stick to the movie, obviously, but it doesn't make the movie its focal point. It doesn't make like the linear storytelling its focal point. It makes the mini games, the the uh, the the club, you know, the the uh, just exploring the world. It makes that the, the focal point because as someone who probably watched the movie or has some touchstone with this movie, you kind of want to explore the world a bit more. You want to learn about other things that are going on, the characters. And, 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 you know, you could have made this in a, in a much more yeah budget way where the humans would be the cool one. Although I I can't see how that (laughs) was open season. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But like there, there were just, there was a lot of different aspects you could, you could take with it. Yeah. And I think there were just a, a miss here but again i think it's just the fact that this game did not need to be made at all definitely not and it just bring it just it just proves my point so much more that like certain movies humans are the least interesting character like barnyard the video game understood that where you rarely ever interact with the humans and when you do it's just mainly to screw with them uh like that mailman minigame where you're just kind of goofing off around them without them noticing um the humans are not the interesting part of any of these movies um i don't think you needed to interact it would have been really cool to have had a game based on open season maybe after the movie or just before like just playing as the animals in their little habitat like kind of figuring out what what, what they're up to like maybe there's some there's some uh, issues going on in their civilization or something i don't know like i didn't need this to be either play it specifically from the human's perspective or completely from the animal's perspective didn't need any of the stealth in here it's just not good there's mm. also like four there's also a bunch of four player mini games in here they are all terrible <laughs> yeah they're these very, are examples of bad mini games they are very bad mini games it's nothing like over the hedge where you have at least a few saving grace mini games in there like they're not good um, very much ripoffs of Mario Party games, and they look terrible. The graphics are bad. The controls are not super responsive. The voice acting is repetitive, unfortunately. And the cherry on the cake here, Mike, is that Nintendo Power ranked this game an eight out of ten. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that was a, I was flabbergasted when I checked the Metacritic here. It's like Nintendo Power eight out of ten. That's just just no. Like it is not an eight <laughs> out of ten. Nintendo <laughs> official Nintendo Magazine UK was much mm. more uh, down to earth with their review. I think they might have given it a six, but they say Open Season is playable. But you won't enjoy playing it. It's dull collecting <laughs> scenarios and repetitive sound bites will drain your soul. Another bad movie tie-in. That's, I love, that's a perfect description of this game. My I God. love the UK. Tell it like it is. It's playable, yeah. but you won't enjoy playing it, which is the perfect, I think, way to yeah. uh, to close the book on open season. Yep. So let's hit the back of the case of this one and move on. Check out the movie if you're gonna if you're gonna mm-hmm. look into open season movie. for sure. Yeah. Play it wild. Play as Boog and Elliot in this outrageous game based on the new movie Open Season. Team up with all your favorite characters to put Timberline Forest back under nature's control. That's right. Yep. Timber, yep. T- uh, sponsor, it really should have been sponsored by Timberlands. 
<laughs> the boots, yeah, of course. Next up, we're moving on to Flushed Away, released on October 24th, 2006. Only five games left to go. Developed by Monkey Bar Games, they also made Curious George. Published by D3, it's also on PS2, Game Boy Advance, and DS. Rates a 5 out of 10, priced today at around $15. It's another action-adventure and a movie tie-in based on the 2006 DreamWorks and Paramount Pictures movie of the same name. And this movie made $178 million on a $149 million budget, so this was not a successful film at all. I always thought that this movie was actually a, a Nick Park movie, like the Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run guys. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, definitely kind of similar style animation with their like their faces, like their noses yeah, and everything. their teeth and everything, and the, yeah. I guess just British characters in general anytime. <laughs> it's, oh, this is probably Nick Park, but one of the people who wrote the story for the movie, Peter Lord, did work on Chicken Run and Curse of the Were-Rabbit, so I guess that might be where the... Uh, oh, and Peter Lord are. isn't that uh he's um oh no that's Phil Lord who's the Into the Spider-Verse right yeah I think that's Phil Lord yeah oh never mind well no still yeah. Chicken Run still a good movie but uh <laughs> fantastic movie. uh yeah uh Flushed Away is one of my favorite like movies to to call back to when I'm like <laughs> uh talking to someone about like the the mid 2000s because it's just like the ultimate like oh my god I forgot about this thing <laughs> that's what Flushed Away is like I uh I completely forget it about it every time I saw it once could I tell you anything about it other than that the uh, characters were all kind of like anthropomorphic rats and rodents, I guess, but like way too anthropomorphic, like like basically yeah. just humans with rat noses. Yes. It's really, really strange. Basically, I I only saw the movie once. We rented it once from Blockbuster and I never saw it again, but I'm, I <laughs> yep. think my sister really liked it, actually. I remember her watching it quite a bit and quoting it. And I didn't know what the hell she was talking about, but I think that the whole idea is that it's it's meant to be like James Bond. It's kind of a James Bond film, actually, where... It, it's the spy's pet rat who, like, kind of imitates him or something and thinks he's also a spy. I think that that's the basic plot of the film. After that, I have no idea. He gets flushed down the toilet and, and uh, ends up in some kind of a seedy underbelly of of England or something. I don't really know. But it's too bad because with this video game, I can definitely see what they were trying to do with the world. Like, they were trying to make an open-world kind of spy game, James Bond sort of thing, third-person action-adventure 3D platformer with some spy elements in there, some cool gadgets and whatnot, but it just didn't work. They had like this rat hub world in between all of the levels and everything, but the camera's bad. The controls are are not super great. The cutscenes are just straight up dull. Like a lot of the voice actors are back here, uh, but they're just not interesting to watch. Like they're all just single, uh, single view cutscenes, like from behind everybody zoomed out, so no one's moving. And they're all just <laughs> yeah. kind of talking to each other like they're having a conversation in a boardroom, even though they're yeah. in a sewer talking about some mission that you're being <laughs> briefed on. And it's just like this 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 is not this is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's just it's just really strange to play. And again, this is a game that didn't or movie that did not need a game at mm -hmm. all, like no mm -hmm. chance. But uh, you know, it, it, the the fact that like his jumps and stuff are really weird. Like he kind of like floaty. floats while he jumps. Yeah. Uh, he has a bunch of like he has like a little sword, I guess, that he can kind of use propellers with. It feels like they just were like, okay, what are games doing now? And let's just put them all together and make this game. Like it, it's the most budget game you could think of, uh, in terms of like a movie tie-in. It just everything kind of feels just rushed, and mm -hmm. there's not a ton of unique and original stuff going on. And like yeah, you like you said, like there's definitely opportunities to make this game cool. Because uh, of the spy elements of it and everything, and and the working together with uh, people, and when you're in the sewers, like there there could have been some cool co-op stuff as well. Like I would have mm -hmm. I would have actually enjoyed this game as a, as a co-op style game for sure. But 
it just like it, it doesn't really hit the mark on anything and uh the fact that the movie you know didn't do too well either kind of cements that fact yeah it's too bad that the movie didn't do too well because again another great cast hugh jackman yeah. kate winslet bill nye uh gene reno ian mckellen sir ian mckellen is some in this great movie. british actors here yep. like just fantastic all doing uh, a great cockney accent basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and like that's like it almost feels like it's a disservice like having these people here it's like oh like you, you could have been doing something better i think i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too bad the game did not need to be made unfortunately they could have done some cooler things made it a little bit more of a fleshed out open world i suppose but like who's the market really like the people who would be playing an open world game are not playing flushed away and the kids that would want to buy a flushed away game aren't going to want it to be open world so they were kind of shoehorned into making the game like this every all the gadgets like you said the sword the propeller they're all just based off of roddy's tail like so it's really just how many fun things can we give this rat to do with his tail (laughs) yeah (laughs) over and over again for a relatively short game i think it's only four or five hours to beat unfortunately and it's a lot of judging through the sewers in a poorly animated game. So uh, get ready to play through some dark levels, and it's kind of hard to see what's going on. But if you want to pick it up, luckily it's uh, still pretty cheap. Um, but this is another situation where I would just recommend seeing the movie and move on with your life. Yep. 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 But let's hit the back of the case here of Flushed Away. Someone's going down. Join Roddy and Rita as they fight to save the underworld metropolis from the Toad's evil plans of amphibian domination. Yeah, the Toad was a funny character, actually. I did like the villains in that movie. The, yeah, the the characters were, like, again, it's, like, not a bad movie. Like, the characters were good. There's interesting plot lines, but like, the game itself, uh, that's what we're talking about today. And that yeah. is not great. And it does not get any better from here, Mike, unfortunately. The, the, <laughs> well, there's one. There's one. There's, there's one. one I, I, like. I meant that again. The, the game that we're talking about next does not get any better from here. We're, ah, ta- yes. we're talking about Happy Feet, which was released on November 14th, 2006. Only four games left to go. Developed by Artificial Mind and Movement. They developed Monster House, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, two of the Scooby-Doo games on the GameCube. So pretty decent developers. Published by Midway. Also on PS2, Windows, Game Boy Advance, DS, and Wii. Rates a 5 out of 10. That's generous. Priced today at around $15. This is an action-adventure movie tie-in game based on the 2006 film of the same name. This movie was huge. Happy feet back in the day. $385 million on a $100 million budget. I remember seeing this movie in theaters and really enjoying it. Um, Starring Elijah Wood, Robin Williams, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Hugo Weaving. Just a really good cast of cool stories. Penguins were huge back in the mid-2000s. We had Happy Feet, Surf's Up, uh, March of the Penguins. Um, I did like this movie. I've only seen it once, though. I really like Happy Feet. It's actually, like, one of my favorite movies from that era. I enjoyed it so much when I saw it. I definitely have seen it at least twice, um, maybe three times. But uh, I, I love the music in Happy Feet. That's definitely one of my favorite parts about uh, about the movie itself. It has... Because that's the one I know. I uh, said that I like it. I don't remember it. That's the one that um, the somebody to love is is in it, and like they kind of do their like little dances and everything to yes. that song. Yeah, and it's okay. got the "Don't push me, I'm too close to the edge." Yes, that that's the, right. The movie that made that song popular again. Yeah, it's and like yeah. So all the dance sequences and like the 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 musical numbers were so good in that movie, and mm-hmm. then kind of brought that back into like movies doing that well, which is nice to see. Musicals, but, um, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like animated musicals and do like doing the animated musicals justice. But um, and this is one of the few ones, if not the only one on this list that actually got a sequel with Happy Feet 2 because of how well it did. 
Yes. The you mean a movie or Yeah, yeah, the movie sequel. Yeah. Uh Surf's Up got one, but it was a straight to DVD. Okay. Well. Uh Flushed Away did not. Open no. Season did not. Barnyard, I got the TV show which we talked about, Amply did not. So yeah, you're right. It is the only one. I never saw Happy Feet 2. I don't even remember that coming out. I remember it coming out, but I don't think I saw it. Uh so <sighs> uh, but this is the sad part now where we have to talk about the game, which yeah. is not as good as the movie in any means. Because first of all, you know, because it's a uh, very much a, um, a a musical kind of uh, film, you would think that you would do a better job at the rhythm aspect of it. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, they do not. No, this is this is the clearest example of a cash grab game that I could possibly <laughs> show somebody. Like, if anybody wanted to know, like, what's the definition of a cash grab video game, I'd show them Happy Feet. It's like you said, it could be a really good rhythm and like a rhythm game, like a DDR kind of yeah. clone, which is what it should have been, which is what it started out as. I think you can kind of tell there are dancing levels in the game, which are very fine. They're not good. <laughs> very They're okay. Very okay dancing levels. It's very much a DDR clone where you're lining up the arrows. as They fly across the screen. I'm pretty sure you could play those levels if you wanted to with the dance mat. I, I, I would assume it's uh, compatible. I, I didn't even look into it, but it would have to be, I suppose. But you could just play with the GameCube controller if if, if you want to. But uh, And they have some uh, some of the songs in there, too, from the movie, which is okay. Um, there, there's some licensed tracks in there. The rest of the game features the exact same song over and over again, which... Gets... <laughs> yes. Jeez, that's bloody annoying, man. Um, what a miss. There, what a geez. terrible miss. Um, the voice actors, the only one back, I think, is Elijah Wood. Uh, he reprised his role as uh, the main penguin. Good for him. It's too bad. That I was thinking, good for him. Elijah Wood was looking for stuff to do after Lord of the Rings, I guess. Um, but it's weird for me that Robin Williams, I just wanted to talk about him really quick. Yeah, because yeah. a really good voice actor, a really good actor, RIP, obviously, love Robin Williams. He loved video games. Like, a huge Nintendo fan, uh, especially, like, he named his daughter Zelda and everything. He was in some Nintendo 3DS commercials from back in the day. It's weird. I, I was trying to find, like, he's not in almost any video games, voice acting at least. I wonder why he never wanted to do that. That is interesting. I wonder, like, yeah. Like, we look I, at some I, other actors like Willem Dafoe, Patrick Warburton. Like, they're in a lot of these games. Well, because I think a lot of them had, like, well, I guess Willem Dafoe is actually in a couple of that aren't just movie tie-ins. But I right. think for a lot of these movie tie-ins, they kind of have these contracts where they had to do the, the, the voicing. And so they kind of just not mailed it in, but they just did it. And that was it. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's interesting that Robin Williams didn't like request to kind of do his own voice acting for any of these movies. Uh, and, uh, because there's another movie we talked about two weeks ago that had Robin Williams in it. Uh, yeah. Robots. Robots. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe cause he just didn't think that was a good movie. I, I think, I think but... it's because he knew the games weren't good. Honestly, like he knew good yeah, video games. Yeah. He didn't just play everything. He loved good video games like Zelda, Portal, Call of Duty. Like he played a lot of the big stuff. So I think he knew that these movie licensed tie-in games were trash and throwaways and cash grabs and didn't want to be a part of it. He just wanted to make the films for his kids and then uh, take his paycheck and leave and go do something else, which I can respect. I guess we probably answered our own question there. Um, but yeah, going back to the game itself, like the, the rhythm portions of it, you've got the dance levels, which aren't very good. So there are other levels in the game where you're basically sliding down hills over and over again, kind of like SSX, but not nearly as good. And then there are yeah. other levels where you're swimming headfirst into the screen away from predators like killer whales and sea lions, which is kind of like that Shamu's adventure game that we talked about <laughs> a long time ago. Yep. But yep. none of these levels are standout. Like it's just like the uh, Game Informer or the Nintendo Power UK said, uh, the game works, but it's not fun to play sort of sort of thing. 
Yeah, like how was this not like like a massive kind of like snowboarding sim? You know, like that's like another thing, like snowboarding mm. mixed with uh, rhythm kind of style. Like I think that that would have been really cool to to integrate that. Like we're going to talk about Surf's Up is a actual just surfing sim. Right. Like I think Happy Feet should have just gone full either kind of snowboarding style or full rhythm game style. Like it they, was a dancing movie. So like they kind of had, but the only, the problem was like the, the game or the movie did have some action heavy scenes where it's like the penguins were swimming away from a predator. So yeah. they probably thought, okay, let's, let's incorporate this into the game in some way, yeah. but like didn't need to be like, it was a really good musical movie and they could have made a decent DDR clone and just left yes. it at that with maybe some Donkey Kong bongos in there. If, oh, if they man. wanted to, they could have made it a complete music sim game if they wanted to. They could have, they could have, but unfortunately they didn't. So I will just go and watch Happy Feet again and make myself happy. Yeah, try and make yourself happy. God, we've been trying since Happy Feet 1 came out, but uh, <laughs> it's not working. We need an, we need Happy Feet 3 to, to save the world. The but trilogy. The tr- yes, complete the trilogy, finally. Tap into the adventure and fun. Step into Mumble's Happy Feet as you belly sled, dance, and swim through Antarctica on an amazing adventure. I forgot they called it belly sled. That makes me enjoy it so much less. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's a, that's a strange term. <laughs> That is a very strange term. Very short game, though. You can get in and out within about two or three hours if you so choose to do so. But we encourage you to save your money and play something else. The games do get a little bit better here, starting with Meet the Robinsons, released on March 27, 2007. Only three games left to go. Developed by Avalanche Software. Published by Disney Interactive. It's also on PS2, Windows, Game Boy Advance, DS, Xbox 360, and Wii. Rates a 7 out of 10. Priced today at around $12. It's an action-adventure movie tie-in game based on the 2007 Disney movie of the same name. It made $170 million on a $150 million budget, which sucks for Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, another... Uh, like, this is like probably the last big loss for Disney, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, if, yep. you, if we talked about like the kind of bad disney era in terms of them making money we could say from basically 97 or mm-hmm. something 98 to to meet the robinsons <laughs> whenever tangled came out is uh when the, yeah that all ended yeah exactly and yeah meet the robinsons was just like there was for me there was like no reason to really watch this movie it was super generic it was for, just really even for the time exactly it was kind of generic for the time i i the one thing that was always unique for me was the whole inventor art deco kind of like that kind of style of it um yeah. but um it, it it just didn't do it as well as i think it could have uh but i don't really remember the movie that much the game though neil i own i Ooh. bought the game uh from a, a local used games or local game store i bought it used for i think ten dollars so perfect uh, just under the twelve dollar price you have there and it's going um, up it's going up <laughs> And uh, it's not bad because one thing that they do is they do incorporate the Art Deco kind of style that the movie has, unlike Open Season, mm. uh, which was nice to see. But um, uh, I don't really get what I'm doing half the time in it. Like, there's no uh, – like, the plot is kind of strange. It doesn't feel like anything's kind of uh, really focused. There's no focus. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> there's no focus in this game. You're kind of just – doing these random plot like side plots and you're just kind of collecting things and uh, a ton of platforming. I mean, this is a huge kind of platforming game. Mm-hmm. You do get uh, these kind of gun style things and lasers and things that you invent. Uh, we think of some of these other games like series of unfortunate events where you're kind of making your own weapons, which I always enjoy in a game. The closest thing to this actually is Jimmy Neutron. That's this what is I was thinking. Very yeah. similar 
kind of style of Jimmy Neutron, including like the art style, because Jimmy Neutron also kind of went with that Art Deco kind of style and um, and almost steampunk uh, in some ways. Uh, but this just, I would say, just does it worse because Jimmy Neutron is a super recognizable character who's got a great cast of characters around him where I don't even remember the, the main guy's name. He's, so just, like, he's just a generic white boy, like, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah, just like... Lewis. It, it, Lewis Robinson, there you go. He's, yeah, it's it's so, such a random, like, nothing kind of character. And his sidekick is just so, such a ripoff of Carl Weezer, too. Like, it's it's so, it's so strange that they were like, Jimmy Neutron is big, let's make a movie that's, like, <laughs> supposed to imitate it in some way? I don't know. It was... Such an odd choice for yeah. Disney at this time, and the, like the game is fine, but it just doesn't make it doesn't do anything unique for you to I guess want to buy it or want to play it. That's a that's a really good summary of the movie slash game. There's just something, even though it is like it's a futuristic movie, there's just something about it that just feels like a combination of Jimmy Eat World or Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> you did that last week too, I uh, last time. It just feels like a combination of Jimmy Neutron and The Incredibles. Honestly, like yeah, yes, yeah, Incredibles. Too. It just feels like everything. You You've already seen up to that point and want to see more <laughs> yeah you want to see this you want to see it all in one movie we, we got that for you um yeah I, I did not i never saw it i'm sure it's a fine movie but the game itself looks fine like it, again it looks like the incredibles game actually yeah. you have gadgets you get to explore the world really it's it's honestly the best way i can describe it is it's what every kid considered what it meant to be cool almost like you yeah. get you have gadgets you get to explore the world without your parents the whole world is relying on you to save it like it, it was like just one of those one of those movies and one of those games and the platforming in the game looks okay the graphics are fine uh there's a lot of load screens unfortunately which is too bad like anytime you go from room to room or level to level it has to load uh which gets a little bit annoying i think that this game unfortunately was stretching the gamecube a little bit to the limit for a 3d platformer action kind of uh mm-hmm. game lets you make your own gadgets which is kind of cool uh, you got some decent enough weapons um which is neat uh avalanche software though which i thought was kind of cool was uh they, they developed four more games uh for disney i forget which ones now it's like bolt and a couple others bolt bolt remember that one yeah uh, they developed that's another one <laughs> yeah that's another long forgotten disney film but they uh, developed a few more games and then they developed disney infinity which i honestly thought disney infinity was on went on for like 10 years uh from avalanche but it only went from 2013 to 2015 um i was thinking of skylanders which went on from 2011 to 2019 but uh, Avalanche Software, after not long after Meet the Robinsons, were pumping out Disney Infinity toys. So interesting. This was like the beginning of them for making, or at least right in the middle of making those Disney games that eventually led them to make the uh, the Toys to Life game that people remember from the from the 2010s. But it's kind of sad when you see like a movie come out, like an animated film come out, and everybody just looks super generic. Like Meet the Robinsons, the main guy Lewis just looks like a kid about to start a pop punk band. Like, and occasionally you see, <laughs> you see these types of movies come out to this day too. Like, like you'll see like an animated film come out and it's just like, what the hell is this even supposed to be? Like the characters aren't interesting at all. It do- I just feel like some movies just look like they're throwaway ideas right off the bat. Yeah. This one certainly does in some ways, but um, uh, I would like to take a, a second here and say that uh, Beat the Robinsons is the fourth last GameCube game ever to come out. You said it was a March 2007 Oof. game there were only six 2007 games on the gamecube neil uh of course we know that the wii came out in november 2006 so uh gamecube did last for another year after that um we had Bar- backyard sports baseball 2007 we had tmnt in uh also in, in we had tmnt the that's the movie tie-in 
version of mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, we talked about that, of course, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode a couple weeks ago. Meet the Robinsons, as we're talking about right now. Ratatouille, which we talked about on the Pixar episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, our next game, Neil, which is Surf's Up. But uh, before we surf it up, mm. why don't you hit the back of the case? All right, sounds good. Save the Robinson. Wait, this is confusing because it says save <laughs> in a different font and then the Robinson time machine on a different line. So I don't know. Does that save the Robinson time machine? Okay. Play okay. as Wilbur in over 40 new missions beyond the movie. Activate cool gadgets to battle villains. Challenge opponents in action-packed charge ball minigame. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's also charge ball. That's, like, like, a thing. Monkey ball kind of thing. The yeah, ball run around the world. Like, robots. It's cool, but, like, I feel like, again, we've seen it before, haven't we? We've seen it before, and the last thing I want to say uh, for this game is that stupid HUD. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah, I forgot it's, to talk about that. Ugh, my favorite thing in GameCube games is when the GameCube controller is on the screen, and we actually haven't seen that for a while. A lot of later GameCube games did not do that because you probably owned a GameCube at this point for a couple of years for and maybe while. know how to use the controller. But Meet the Robinsons was like, no, 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 you don't know how to use this. We will put it on screen in the top right corner uh, very obnoxiously for the entire duration of the game. Don't forget about that B, A, X, and Y button. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that's on the they screen. You have the, the triggers t- there, too, on I the know. screen. I saw that. I was like, oh, Mike's going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> really good. But they eventually did do away with that in the next game of the day, which is Surf's Up, released on June 1st, 2007. Only two games left to go, folks. Developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. This was also on PS2, Windows, Game Boy Advance, Mac OS, DS, Xbox 360, Wii, and PSP. Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $15, and this is a surfing game, as well as a movie tie-in game based on the 2007 Columbia Pictures movie of the same name, made $152 million on a $100 million budget. The film stars Shia LaBeouf, we love him, Jeff mm-hmm. Bridges, Zoe Deschanel, John Heater, and James Woods, another great cast. The movie was actually nominated for the Best Animated Film of the Year in the Oscars, but lost to Ratatouille, which is too bad. It did well enough, though, to warrant a sequel in 2017, 10 years later. Oh, my God. Direct-to-DVD, home yes. video. I never saw that one. Never even saw Surfed Up. Surf's Up, actually. But uh, this actually looks like a really good movie tie-in, or at least decent. Decent surfing sim. It's decent because it is a surfing sim and it, it goes all in on one aspect of the movie, which I think is what you really have to do if you want to make a good movie tie-in. Uh, and it's also one of the only surfing sims on the GameCube. We only have four, Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's Transworld Surf, Next Wave, Kelly Slater's Pro Surfer, and if you want to count it, Wave Race Blue Storm. Sure. Yeah, that kind of counts. Yeah, it's another wave beach kind of game. It's the same. You're, you're doing the same controls, and it's the same idea. <laughs> just not a surfboard instead right, of uh, right. using a jet ski instead. This game, though, takes a lot of the challenge out of those surfing games. Like, I don't think this one is as hard to play as... I have the Transworld Surf game. That one does take a bit of skill to, uh, to get the hang of. This one, I think, is a little bit easier to pick up and play. At the end of the day, it's a game for kids, so I yep. totally understand it. Um, but it just looks like a lot of fun to play. Like every level you start up, you have three objectives. Most of them are score-based, get through a certain number of rings, and then one other random one. So it's kind of all you have to do over and over again is just level up by uh, by doing those three things with each, uh, each level. If you want to 100% it, it's really easy. You've got 10 characters to pick from from the film, which is kind of neat. They even tied in Elliot from Open Season, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. They brought in another uh, another Sony Pictures character or Another, yeah, another Sony Pictures or Columbia Pictures character, which is kind of cool. I wish that they had done more, maybe bring in more of the open season guys like the bear. That's I like, see, that's what I really want to see more of with some of these franchises like like 
uh, like the oh, uh, and over the hedge when they were watching Madagascar, like stuff like that. Just just show me more of uh, the kind of relationship between the different movies, the the different cinematic universes, really, right? Because mm-hmm. like they should be, you know, these are obviously movie tie-ins, but they should also kind of be able to laugh at themselves. Have they fun. should be able to yeah. have fun, exactly. And really, at the end of the day, they are like the ultimate. Uh, version of fan service for fans of the movie and the franchises. So I think you can kind of, you can go a little bit off script. You can do some funny things. You can add in characters from other movies that, you know, uh, like weren't there before. Like the, any DreamWorks one, I would a hundred percent be putting Shrek in, in some area, right? Like that would just be so hilarious. And I think would really, uh, upsell the game a lot more too, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, surf's up, definitely not a bad game. And honestly, a game that I would be interested in kind of playing more just because uh, it is uh, easy to, well, relatively easy to 100% it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like for me, uh, like skateboarding or extreme sports games or surfing games or whatever, the, the ones that are easier than like Tony Hawk and stuff are actually really fun because honestly, sometimes I just want to sit down and do some tricks and yeah. I just want to like nail those tricks and be like, okay, that's sick. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spend five hours getting good at a level. I don't want a tutorial. Yeah. I really just want to pick it up and know this is you already know what you're gonna have to do when you play surfs up you're gonna have to hit the wave jump hit a b x y as many times as you can before you land and do that over and over and over again and the game itself looks okay too like the graphics look fine the penguins and and birds and all the characters are animated pretty well uh pretty easy to animate um although i say that happy feet did a terrible job surfs up looks a lot better than happy feet comparing the two the two penguin games on the gamecube surfs up is definitely the choice to go with even the soundtrack is pretty good um it's not a big soundtrack but there is a simple plan song in there mike jump is uh is in the game which i appreciated plain white tees are in there as well and a bunch of other bands that i'm not too uh too familiar with but uh, at the end of the day it's a really good uh kids surfing game and if you liked surfs up i think that this is probably a decent pick it's pretty affordable too what what did i say 10 15 bucks not terrible not a terrible game to uh to put up there if you if you wanted to pick it up and the one thing that i really liked about this game too was the um they have like little newscasters in between each yeah. uh, each level which i thought you would really enjoy too was they had the walrus that sort of was announcing what was going on and then you had like a little sandpiper character that was on on site announcing what was going on and i like the sandpiper because he like did not want to be there for, yeah. <laughs> sandpipers are just always horrified of everything that's going on so i thought that yeah. was that was a really cute uh cute thing i don't know who the voice actors were for those characters now now that i think about it I don't know either, but yeah, th- th- that made it actually really good in my eyes because yeah. like I don't need to see the movie cutscenes done in no. CGI like in a video game. I don't need to see that. You know, we're at this point. I, I, I've again, I've probably seen the movie or have some affinity with the movie. So like, why would I need to just see it again? It's so much fun to live in that world, and that's exactly what Surf Up does. Again, mm-hmm. it's not a great you know surfing game, uh, and there's not a whole lot to do. But I think as a budget title, it really nails it. It's just fun. You can you can race it, or you can surf as a penguin. You can surf as the stone or chicken, which is who I would pick if I was going to yeah. play this game. Obviously, <laughs> you can get in, get out, and then go and play something else. And at the end of the day, it's a fun game. The developers clearly had a good time. They made really a really good UI system as well. Like it's really simple mm-hmm. to get in and and pick a level and pick a character and then start playing. Very snappy menus. I appreciate that. Um, but Mike, I think that's all I have to say about Surf's Up. Should we hit the back of the case and uh, move on to our closing thoughts? Let's do it, Neil. All right. Get in the water. Ride the swells as Cody, Lanny, or any of ten characters from the movie Surf's Up. With sweet moves and cool challenges, it's a slice of surfing paradise. With that, Mike, yeah. we have covered all the movie tie-ins on the GameCube. I'm so excited to say that oh, we are done finally. that part of the library. Jeez. Holy cow. 
we appreciate folks listening to these episodes, but man, they're they're a, they're a struggle. <laughs> they're a struggle because we obviously have to, uh, you know, research and play a lot of these games, and they're mostly not great. So, no. but it is there is something to be said when we actually find good ones uh, to talk about. I think of ones like Cars was a, a really nice uh, game to play that I was really shocked that how good it was. Probably maybe the best one on the GameCube other than maybe Spider-Man 2, honestly. Um, and then things like Over the Hedge was a really nice kind of uh, uh, little gem to find. Uh, even Barnyard and Surf's Up today. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's fun to find these that are actually pretty good that you're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, my expectations were obviously very low and they were ex- exceeded. So yeah. <laughs> where most of the time for a lot of these games, your expectations are relatively high. And then they are lowered when you actually get to exactly. play them. So it, it took us two and a half years, but we finally learned that there are a few good movie tie-in games that we would have easily yeah. dis, uh, disregarded right away. So good experience. But I would probably have to say that of the games that we talked about today, I would be willing to look into Barnyard as a pretty decent micro open world sandbox experience based on the movie that i have not seen so maybe i should check out the movie first but (laughs) i think that those mini games looked really cool i like the idea of the day night cycle to kind of be a farm animal during the day and then be a party animal at night i think that's a really cute idea honestly and something that could be fleshed out in like an indie game these days probably is actually um but i could see this type of game existing today and being really fun to play on switch and then the other game of the day that I think would be really cool, which I think Mike already said he would agree with, is Surf's Up. I think uh, most of the surfing games on GameCube that we've talked about now in the last two and a half years are pretty good. And I think that this one has the has the chops to be in there in the same conversation with the Kelly Slaters and the Transworld Surf games. Uh, they're not obviously as serious as those games. You can't play as real surfers. But if you're looking for something just to pick up and play with friends or you have an hour to kill or 20 minutes to kill, you just want to play a few quick rounds, it might be a decent game to uh, to pick up. But what about you, Mike? Any uh, any of these games stand out to you? Those are the ones, Neil, like you said. Right. Yeah. Nice uh, and easy. Definitely. Yeah, Barnyard <laughs> and Surf's Up Barnyard is definitely the one that I would recommend the most uh, out of anything. Mm-hmm. Not sure if I, what system I'd recommend it on, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think I would still recommend it on GameCube. This is a GameCube podcast after all. Right. So I got to go with the home field advantage, but uh, I, I feel like it wouldn't be too bad on Wii. It was a launch game, if I remember correctly. So. Yep. It was. You had to pick up Barnyard and Twilight Princess the day that you picked up your Wii. Those were the two best games, <laughs> obviously. But, Mike, yeah. of, of these movies, we haven't heard much from them in the last 15 or so years, uh, movie-wise or game-wise, other than Surf's Up in 2017. But are any of these movies uh, franchises that you'd like to see come back in some way, either it, with a sequel to a film or in, in a video game? I mean, Surf's Up getting a 2017 sequel is pretty bold. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bold. But... Uh, I like looking at them, obviously, flushed awake, and that's fine. That doesn't need to happen anymore. Uh, open season, that's fine to be gone. Barnyard would be interesting. Ant Bully definitely is not coming back. So of all of them, I would probably say that Happy Feet will come back in some way. It definitely made the most money out of any of these movies that we, we've talked about today, and I think it's the most unique. Uh, we haven't seen Penguins. You know, We've had a break from Penguins. We can bring them back now. <laughs> have we had a break from Penguins? I feel like the Penguins of Madagascar have kind of bridged... Mm, everything because we did talk about them a couple weeks ago and uh, they they never quit the penguins of madagascar (laughs) so maybe we need the penguins crossover film 
of for all the different penguin animated movies to come together. Correct. The penguin like that. cinematic universe needs to, the PCU, <sighs> if you will, needs to come together. <laughs> but Michael, we're waiting for the ultimate penguin crossover movie to uh, to come to theaters. Obviously, that'll be starring Danny DeVito as the penguin. He will be the main character. <laughs> Why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 125 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. Well, Neil, we are finally here. Episode 125 of the GameCube is Cool podcast is the final episode for the GameCube. Uh, it is talking about the final game for the GameCube, which uh, we will reveal uh, next week. So that's going to be pretty exciting. And then we'll, of course, be revealing what our plans are for the future. Even though the GameCube's library is going to be finished, 555 games covered, done, check it off, uh, we will still be doing some more stuff because, surprisingly, Neil, other games were made for other consoles. What? No. Yeah. That doesn't I, feel I, I was shocked, too, when I learned about it, but uh, apparently there are other games, there are other movies, too, and even, like, albums and stuff, too. There's Lots of things, things happened, yeah, wow. in um, in that period. So definitely swing by and listen to the final episode. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's un- we're going to talk about this a lot more next week. It's unbelievable <laughs> that the project is coming to a close, but we're really excited to announce our next project. We hope all of you join us on our next journey. We are also going to be taking January and February off, but we're going to talk more about that next week when we announce our next project. We're so excited to talk or to announce the name of the show and what the idea of the show will be. If you've been listening to us for the last feels like six months to a year now. We've kind of been hinting about what we're going to be doing, but like Mike said, there are other games, movies, TV shows, etc. that we would love to talk to you about and share our opinions of and learn more about with you. So we're very excited to uh, to announce that next project after we cover the last game on the GameCube. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 124 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell every penguin you know, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. Product of what happens when you think inside the box. So is uh, it, uh you know penguins can't fly. I know that they, right. You know, but they are birds. Mm-hmm. But can Danny DeVito fly? Oh, that's a good question. I feel mm. like we need to ask him. Perhaps okay. we can get him on the show and find out if he can fly. I I mean, he can fly. Is he allowed to fly? Is that what you're asking? Like, is he allowed on a plane? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) allowed on the plane? FAA regulations? Is he allowed? (laughs) Does he have to announce when he's going to fly? There's so many questions here. We'll get him on the show. I feel like he would be like a Harrison Ford kind of guy and wouldn't want to go anywhere if he doesn't have to. (laughs) I can see that. Yeah.